Wasn't that a beautiful song? Sometimes it takes pain, it takes sorrow, it takes difficulty to get us to depend on the Lord. Because if we don't have those things, we tend to rely on ourselves too much and not on the Lord, and that gets us into a lot of trouble. Thank you, Taylor, for that beautiful song. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for being here with us today. We thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus, who died on the cross for us. We look forward to seeing him one day in heaven. And the time is short. The time is coming for him to come. And we're just waiting, Lord, patiently waiting for you to take us out of this world. As Taylor sang in that song, we're not home yet. We're, we're not home. This earth and this world is not our home. Heaven is our home. We're heading there. Until then, Lord, use us in the lives of people. Lord, please hide me behind the cross. May your word come forth and by the Holy Spirit be used in people's lives today. We just commit ourselves to you and thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I've been thinking about this message for about two or three weeks, maybe a month now, even before vacation, and I would read it down there on vacation and meditate on it and was listening to some Christian broadcasts, and they have a very good station down there, DSW, and it's... Uh, it's a really good station. And so I was listening to a lot of music and I was listening to a lot of the sermons that were given by people like J David Jeremiah and different other preachers down in the Southern California area. And it was a blessing. You know, the key to the Christian life can be boiled down to this. The key to victory, the key to victory in the Christian life is to have a faith that is victorious, to have a full dependence on the Lord, and to obey him in all things. It's simple, but it's true. And that's how we grow and that's how we live for the Lord. And you know, when the Lord was about ready to go to the cross, he was meeting with his disciples in the upper room. And you find this recorded in John chapters 13 to 17. And he prepared them to go out and preach the gospel, to spread the good news, and to, to serve him in this world. He knew it was going to be a difficult task for them to undertake, just like it is a difficult task for us to undertake as well. But he has given us the assignment and he's given us all the resources needed to be a blessing to people around us. And you know, there are seven titles that the Lord Jesus uses for himself in the Gospel of John. John's main mission was to proclaim that Christ is the Son of God. That was how he wrote his whole letter and organized it that way. And the Lord Jesus made seven statements that all begin with the word, I am. I am in scripture means that he is the almighty God. He is the one who has all power and authority. When he gave his disciples the great commission, he says, he's told them to go out in that authority. He says, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And so there are seven occasions in the book, in the Gospel of John where it's mentioned. He calls himself the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I'm the door. He says, I'm the good shepherd. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the light of the world. And the last one is, 
I am the vine or I am the true vine. And that's the one we're going to look at today. Jesus Christ is the vine and we are the branches. And as we abide in him, his power and nutrients and everything flows through us so that we can be a blessing to others. The title of our message today is Abiding in Christ the Vine. And let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 15. We'll read the first 10 verses of this chapter. The Lord writing to, is speaking to them there in John chapter 15. We'll read from the New King James Version. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that he, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And this has always been one of my favorite verses. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do something, a lot, little, nothing. You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. But by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. May God bless the reading of His Word to our hearts today. A man named Benjamin Brian Hedges said this about this passage in John chapter 15. He said, One of Jesus' most vivid illustrations for the believer's relationship with Him is the vine and the branches. Just as branches can only bear fruit if they abide in the vine, so the only way for believers to glorify the Father through fruitful lives is by abiding in Jesus. And that is so true. The closer we stay to the Lord and walk with Him and allow His Word to abide in us and His love to abide in us, can we then go out and be a blessing to others? If there's no flowing through, it, there's not going to be any using us. We have to have that connection to the vine. So we're going to look at three things this morning in connection with this passage in John chapter 15. Number one, connection to the vine. There has to be that connection, that relationship. Secondly, dependence on the vine. And third, continuance in the vine. So when we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, He is the vine and we are the branches. And He says in verse 1 of this chapter, He says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. 
Now, in the King James Version, it uses the word husbandman. And in some other versions, it talks about gardener. So the father is the vine dresser. He's the gardener. He's the one that puts this together so that we can have a personal relationship with him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he said is the vine, the true vine. And we are the branches. The father loves us and he wants the best for us. And he wants that power to flow through us like we sang in that hymn. Channels only, blessed master, but with all thy love and power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. So we're thankful that we have this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a connection. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have a connection with Christ. You know about him. You know that Jesus was alive here on earth. You know he was born in Bethlehem. You may know he went to the cross. You may know he even rose from the dead. But until you come to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, then when you do that, you have the personal relationship with him. It's not about religion. It's not about that at all. It's about a personal relationship and walk with Christ on a daily basis. That's why he talks about this relationship here, this connection that every believer has with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, he mentions pruning here. I don't know how many people we have that are gardeners that like to do work on their yards and things like that, but in order for a fruit tree, for example, to bear more fruit, you have to prune that tree. Now, pruning is kind of a painful process for that tree, right? You have to cut away some of the branches. You have to cut away some of that dry foliage and, and, and remove it so that the new growth can come. And that's what's exciting every day of being a Christian. Every day you're a Christian, you have a relationship with the Lord. He shows you something new. He teaches you something new. He brings somebody new into your life that you can share with. It's new, new every morning, because we have the connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a show on television a number of years ago, which I think they still show on on syndication, Love Connection, right? They were trying to have Love Connection where these people would come together and, and fall in love in 30 minutes or whatever, right? And <laughs> it's a Love Connection. Well, we have a Love Connection that's better than that because we have a Love Connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves us. He gave Himself for us on the cross. He takes care of us every day. He knows what we go through. He knows how much we can handle. And He brings those things into our lives. So we have that connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Trials are painful. Chastening is painful. This pruning process, but it's absolutely necessary for us to grow and to have that flowing through us, the life of Christ. In the Amplified Bible in verse 2, it says this, any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing fruit, he cuts away, trims off, takes away and cleanses repeatedly, pruning every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. Where Adel and Sylvia were staying was up in the hills in Temecula. It's beautiful down there and it's the wine country that's kind of the Napa of Southern California and they had some fruit trees growing too, oranges. 
And you could see them growing on the side of the road and, and, and near where Adel and Sylvia's house were, where they were staying. And it's really neat to see it because I like trees, but I like fruit trees the best because you get a benefit of it. Now, a tree is good in itself because it provides us the oxygen, right? And everything like that. But when it's a fruit tree and you can take that nice, luscious fruit when it's ripe. And recently I had some great peaches down there on vacation. So good, so sweet. And that fruit is what the goal is for the Lord's people. He wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to bear much fruit and, and more fruit in our lives. He wants us to be fruitful. Fruitful in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Fruitful in our evangelistic witness to others. And he wants his flow to go through us. So that's the first point that we're looking at today is the connection between the Lord Jesus Christ, the vine, and us, his branches. I ask you this question, are you connected to Christ? Have you received him as your savior? Don't go out the door today if you haven't accepted him as your personal Lord and savior before believing that he died on the cross for your sins and confess your sins to him, ask him to forgive you and he will come into your life and change your life and then you'll be connected. You'll be connected. You'll be in the vine. Secondly is the dependence on the vine. The only way for the branches to be fruitful is to be connected into the vine. Jesus said in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The vine is the key. It's not the branches. We're the branches. What would happen if all of a sudden the branches say, I don't want to be the branch. I want to be the vine. I want to be the one in control. I want to be the one directing, calling the shots, leading my life. It's not going to work. It's not made that way. It's made for the vine to flow through the branches to produce the fruit. It won't work any other way. Sometimes, though, we get ourselves in trouble, don't we, when we try to rely on ourselves to get things done, to solve a problem or an issue ourselves on our own. We can probably spend all afternoon telling stories about how that happened in our lives, and it didn't work. It hasn't ever worked. It never will work because it's not meant to work. The Lord wants us to rely fully and completely on him to handle every situation that comes our way. And if we don't rely on him and we're relying on ourselves, we are going to fall and we're going to have a big fall. I like what it says also in verse 5 of this chapter. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in you, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That really should stop us right there. And we should highlight that word nothing because so many times, we think that we can do things on ourselves and Jesus said you can do absolutely nothing. Nothing. Now he's talking about, of course, in the spiritual life, but it's true in other things too, whether it be our job or our families or whatever aspect of our lives, sports or whatever it might be. The way to be fruitful is that closeness with the Lord that allows his life to flow through us because without him, we can do nothing. 
And these disciples were going to face intense persecution, and every one of them were going to be martyred, every single one of them. But they were willing because of what Jesus had done. Jesus had loved them so much, they were willing to carry the gospel to other parts of the area, and even though it meant death. I wonder what would happen to us if it was this way today and we had persecution like this in the United States. It would be amazing. And then I thought of some other examples too of this where where we need to depend fully on the Lord. When you think of the moon and you see it out at night and it's beautiful and it's shining the light and you can drive along and you see that beautiful moon, harvest moon, whatever it is, just remember this. The moon has no light in itself, does it? It is a totally dark planet, and it's only as the sun shines on it does it have any light. And that's the way it is with us. We're sinners, sinners saved by grace. The only light we have in ourselves, the only power that we have in ourselves is through Jesus Christ, who he wants us to live his life that way. Another example of this, too, is the fact that The branches have no life in them whatsoever if it wasn't for the vine. And so many times we turn that around and we put it the other way, thinking that we somehow have a part in it. Somehow we get the credit for it. And that's the worst thing that we can do. If somebody gets saved by us telling them about the gospel, who should get the glory? Us? No, the Lord gets the glory. The same thing is true in everything we do to serve the Lord. All the glory goes to him. It's not of us at all. He uses us. He chooses to use us, frail human beings, and he uses us for his glory. I found some quotes by Andrew Murray, the great preacher. He said, you are the branch. You were the branch, he said. You need to be nothing more than the branch. You need not for one moment think and take upon yourself the responsibility of the vine. You need not leave the place of utter dependence and unbounded confidence. Abiding in me is indispensable, for you know it. Of yourselves, you can do nothing to maintain or act out the heavenly life. It is the wholehearted surrender of everything to do his will that gives access to a life that is abiding in the enjoyment of his of love. He says, obey and abide. And it's good for us to remember this lesson because we're one person, right? We say, well, what can I do as one person to affect the world? Well, the way it is is to abide in the vine and be used of the Lord one person at a time. That is the best way to do it. And his power will then flow through us. When we think of the Apostle Paul, when he experienced that thorn in his flesh and he prayed three times that the Lord would take it away, and the answer was the same, the Lord came back and says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul said, most gladly, most gladly will I rather suffer infirmity that the power of God may rest upon me. So many times when we're going through pain, though, and trials, we don't feel very good. It doesn't feel very glad or happy or anything like this. But the Lord is using it, and he's using it so that we can be a blessing to other people around us. 
Ten times, ten times in these ten verses, the word abide is used or abides. So that's how important the Lord considers this subject of abiding in him, to use it so often in this. There was a lady named Lady Colrose who said to John Livingstone in what was called a book called The Covenators, she said, since God has put work into your weak hands, look not for ease there. You must feel the full weight of your calling. And then she says, a weak man with a strong God. And I thought, wow, that's me, Lord. I'm a weak man, but I have a strong God. Can you say that today? I'm a weak man or I'm a weak woman, but we have a strong God. And that's really what it's all about. We don't go out to fight Satan ourselves or try to win victory over Satan. We can't do it. We put on the whole armor of God. We trust in him. He gives us the victory. And so we need his help every day. And in our weakness, he brings forth his strength to show us that we could never have done it on our own, never have done it on our own, but through him we can do it. That's why Paul writing to the Philippians in Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, many Christians have taken that verse out of context and made it a panacea that you, whatever you want to do, you're going to be able to do through Christ, and, and that's not true. It has to be God's will. And so in this passage, he's talking about such things as learning to be content, going hungry or being full, being fed or being hungry, to abound or to suffer need. He's talking about persecution and these things. And when he writes to the Philippians, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We recently saw that movie and it showed Paul in prison. It was about Luke and about Paul. And Paul was in that prison. And remember, it was not good conditions that he was in, but he loved the Lord so much. And he kept going until the moment the Lord took him home. And what a blessing it was. His grace is sufficient for us. And his grace is, is so powerful. So we've seen so far the connection between the vine and the branches. We've seen the dependence of the branches on the vine. And now we're going to see the importance of continuing in the vine. When a person is truly saved, there is a sense of continuance, permanence. So many people, they profess to be saved. They're not really saved. Their lives aren't changed. There's no fruit. And you say, you can't prove that that person is a Christian. One of the preachers I was listening to would say, suppose, uh, and we've all heard this story before, the authorities came in and they wanted to see if we were really Christians or not. Would there be enough evidence to prove you're a Christian? Would there be enough evidence to convict you and put you into jail for being a Christian? That's a good question to ask ourselves. Now, fortunately, people are not going to put us in jail, right, Dave? There's not any laws right now on the books because you're a Christian, you're going to go to jail. There could be in the future. We don't know what the way things are. There could be, but at the present time, there isn't. But thank God, when we get saved, there's a change. There's a change in our thoughts. There's a change in our actions. There's a change in our desires and our ways of doing things. I don't do the things I used to do. I don't like those things that I used to do. In fact, I hate them. And I love to do the things that please God. That is a change that only the Holy Spirit can make in each and every person's heart. And when the Lord changes your life, there is a change. 
And yet so many people today, they profess to be saved, they come for a while, and then where is he? Where is she? No longer coming, no longer walking, no longer going forward. It's amazing. When the Lord Jesus told this parable of the sower or the soils in Matthew chapter 13, verses 19 to 23, and we'll read that, we see that three out of those four soils did not produce any fruit. Zero, because they weren't really saved. Only the last one produced the fruit. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. That's the first one. Second one, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. That sounds so good. But there's always a but, or a yet in this case. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Another one, not saved. Third one. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. That's number three. Now, none of these three, we'll call them men or gentlemen or ladies, were saved. They weren't. Now, it's only the fourth one. And Jesus says, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. He who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And the Lord Jesus wants to produce that fruit in us, but before that fruit can be produced, there has to be spiritual life. We can't bear fruit if there's no spiritual life. If we're not connected into the vine, if we're not dependent on the vine, there's no way for us to grow, there's no way for us to please God. And the Lord Jesus warned the disciples in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20. In verse 20, he says these words, Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Now, we don't go around judging people, but if someone has no fruit in their life, if there's been no change in their life, they are not saved. And it's not wrong for us to encourage them to get saved if we see no fruit in their lives. We're not being mean. We're not being judgmental. We're not doing anything. We want their souls to be saved. We want them to come to know Christ. And if they don't show any fruit, that means there's no fruit in them to come out at all. It's a false profession. There's a story that's told of a, of a pastor of two churches. Now, it's hard probably being a pastor of one church. This man was a pastor of two churches. He was busy all the time. And he had a son. And he, he said this, he says, I've always wanted to have a garden, but somehow most springs I did not have the time to till the soil and get one planted. So in back of the parsonage is a plot of wonderfully fertile soil, which is growing nothing but a nice crop of weeds. Now we can all relate to that, right? We want to be gardeners. We want to have a green thumb. We want to do something like that, but it takes time takes effort. Of course, my first effort of, of growing corn didn't go too well because it was 1970s, 
six, I believe. And I planted it over in East Oakland in my great uncle's backyard. And I was so excited to get some corn on the cob. And what happened? The freeze came and it wiped out. the. And that was my first and last attempt at horticulture was 1976. Maybe we should try it again. Maybe something <laughs> we'll go to Iliani. She'll teach me and she'll help me to, to get a nice garden growing. And so he says, I use this garden to teach my son an important lesson. The conversation went something like this. Son, is my garden growing a crop? No, dad. Nothing got planted in the garden again this year. So the son, no, his father wanted to have a good garden, but he didn't prepare for it and plant it. So he says this to him. He says, you're right, but look again. Is the garden growing anything? Well, yes, came the reply. It's growing weeds. Exactly, the father said. He said this, he said, and if good things are not intentionally planted in your life by nature, you will not grow anything but a nice crop of weeds. If we don't take the time and the effort to spend time with the Lord and to draw near to him, to be in the word, to be in prayer, to come and have fellowship with the Christians, if we don't put in that effort we can't, and abide in the vine, we're not going to have anything but a nice crop of weeds. But when we are fruitful, that's when we're abiding in Christ and producing that fruit. It is a blessing. The question is, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, will he find us to be faithful? Will we be faithful? Will we be abiding in him? Will we be pleasing to him? Will he still find us at our post? You know, if you ever go over to England and you see the changing of the guard. Now, I was over there when I was six years old, but I still remember it. They had the changing of the guards. And you can wave your hands in front of those guards, make funny faces, do all kinds of things. And they're just looking serious and they're just straight because they're to guard the palace. They are on a mission. And there, nothing that you do to distract them is going to make any difference at all. Those guards are posted there. And they're there for a reason. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to have a focus, a singular focus on serving Him. Not to dis- get distracted by the things of this world or the bad news headlines that are going on and all of these kinds of things. In John chapter... 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28, the Apostle John says, And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And I thought when I read that verse, I said, Wow, Lord, I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed before you at your coming. I want to please you so that when you come, you'll say, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's why we have to abide in the vine. That's why we have to stay close to Jesus and live in his will. The worst thing that can happen to us is when the Lord comes and we're bringing some shame to his name. That would not be good. But to abide in Jesus is a lifelong pursuit. It's a passion that we have to have. That we want to please him, we want to serve him, and no matter what anybody else says or anybody else does, We're going to serve the Lord. It's like that song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. So may the Lord help us to be faithful to him. 
The Lord Jesus mentions that when we abide in Him, and we also abide in His love and in His commandments, you cannot separate love and obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so love and obedience goes together. And in verse 10, it says, if you will keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So Jesus says, I'm following the Father, now you follow me. And that's the way the pattern goes. Jesus is the vine, the Father is the vine dresser or gardener. The Father does His part to plant the vine and enable the life of the vine to flow to us, the branches, so that we can be fruitful and bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit, and be a blessing to others. So to conclude our message today, the key to fruitfulness is faithfulness, is being available for the Lord and to stay close to Him and allow His life to be lived through us. It's a connection with Christ. It's a relationship that He wants to have with each one of us, young or old, as our personal Lord and as our personal Savior. There's a sense of continuance and a sense of of permanence when we are accepted the Lord. And we're not going to just bolt. And we're not going to just run away when the first hard times come because we're truly saved. And when we abide in Christ, we give Him all the glory. We rely on His strength and He will get us through it. Not on our own strength, but in His strength. And He's coming soon. So may the Lord help us to abide in Him today and every day and to trust Him and say, Lord, I am Your branch. Make me a fruitful branch. Flow your life through me so that I can touch others and tell them about you. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this vivid illustration of the vine and the branches. Lord, you are the vine. We're not the vine. You are the vine. We're the branches. And we pray that your life would flow through us, your fruitful life, that you will Use us, Lord, for your honor and for your glory. Help us not to take any credit for ourselves, but to know that the life of the vine produces that fruit, that beautiful fruit. And we pray that we'll humble ourselves, Lord, and realize that we can't do anything without you. It says, without me, you can do nothing. Help us to trust you, Lord, in everything. And be thankful as we go to our homes today. May you take us home safely. Please bring our loved ones home, Adel and Sylvia and Shelley and Randy, Natalie, Haley, Jordan, Parker, and also Bill, and pray you'll bring them home safely, and we look forward to seeing them again soon. And we thank you for this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen.